On September 29, 1944, David Shomron hid in the gloom of St. George Street, not far from the Romanian church in Jerusalem. A church building was used as officers' lodgings by the British authorities governing Palestine, and Shomron was waiting for one of those officers, a man named Tom Wilkin, to leave. Wilkin was the commander of the Jewish unit at the Criminal Investigation Department, CID, of the British Mandate for Palestine, and he was very good at his job, especially the part that involved infiltrating and disrupting the fractious Jewish underground. Aggressive, yet also exceptionally patient and calculating, Wilkins spoke fluent Hebrew, and after 13 years of service in Palestine, he had an extensive network of informants. Thanks to the intelligence they provided, underground fighters were arrested, their weapons caches were seized, and their planned operations, aimed at forcing the British to leave Palestine, were foiled. Which was why Shomron was going to kill him. Shomron and his partner that night, Yaakov Banai, codenamed Mazal, Luck, were operatives with Lehi, the most radical of the Zionist underground movements fighting the British in the early 1940s. Though Lehi was the acronym for the Hebrew phrase, Fighters for the Freedom of Israel, the British considered it a terrorist organization, referring to it dismissively as the Sterngang, after its founder, the romantic ultranationalist Avraham Stern. Stern and his tiny band of followers employed a targeted mayhem of assassinations and bombings, a campaign of personal terror, as Lehi's operations chief and later Israeli prime minister Yitzhak Shamir called it. Wilkin knew he was a target. Lehi already had tried to kill him and his boss, Jeffrey Morton, nearly three years earlier in its first clumsy operation. On January 20, 1942, assassins planted bombs on the roof and inside the building of 8 Yael Street in Tel Aviv. Instead, they ended up killing three police officers, two Jews and an Englishman, who arrived before Wilkin and Morton and tripped the charges. Later, Morton fled Palestine after being wounded in another attempt on his life, that one in retribution for Morton having shot Stern dead. None of those details, the back and forth of who killed whom and in what order, mattered to Shomron. The British occupied the land the Zionists saw as rightfully theirs. That was what mattered, and Shamir had issued a death sentence against Wilkin. For Shomron and his comrades, Wilkin was not a person, but rather a target, prominent and high value. We were too busy and hungry to think about the British and their families, Shomron said decades later. After discovering that Wilkin was residing in the Romanian church annex, the assassins set out on their mission. Shomron and Banai had revolvers and hand grenades in their pockets. Additional Lehi operatives were in the vicinity, smartly dressed in suits and hats to look like Englishmen. Wilkin left the officers' lodgings in the church and headed for the CID's facility in the Russian compound, where underground suspects were held and interrogated. As always, he was wary, scanning the street as he walked and keeping one hand in his pocket all the time. As he passed the corner of St. George and Mia Sharim streets, a youngster sitting outside the neighborhood grocery store got up and dropped his hat. This was the signal, 
and the two assassins began walking toward Wilkin, identifying him according to the photographs they'd studied. Shomron and Banai let him pass, gripping their revolvers with sweating palms. Then they turned around and drew. Before we did it, Mazal, Banai, said, let me shoot first, Shomron recalled. But when we saw him, I guess I couldn't restrain myself. I shot first. Between them, Banai and Shomron fired fourteen times. Eleven of those bullets hit Wilkin. He managed to turn around and draw his pistol, Shomron said, but then he fell face first. A spurt of blood came out of his forehead like a fountain. It was not such a pretty picture. Shomron and Banai darted back into the shadows and made off in a taxi in which another Leahy man was waiting for them. The only thing that hurt me was that we forgot to take the briefcase in which he had all his documents, Shomron said. Other than that, I didn't feel anything, not even a little twinge of guilt. We believed the more coffins that reached London, the closer the day of freedom would be.